Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 69 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 120 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And this was a very unique show last night because a couple of weeks ago we had... 24 ladies appear in matches and or backstage segments on 2.0. Last night, from beginning to end in terms of in-ring action, every match involved the ladies. And I greatly appreciated that because I'm all about quality over quantity. I'm not about the quota. I want every women's match to feel as meaningful as possible with storyline purpose and a grounded reason for fans to care. And I think we got that last night most of the way through. But the fellas got some shine as well to push storylines for next week's show is we had two random kidnappings happening in the most dangerous place in WWE, the WWE PC parking lot. On top of that, we got Mob Wars 22 breaking out between Legato de Fantasma and Tony D'Angelo's crew, which leads to Santos Escobar versus Tony D'Angelo next Tuesday on 2.0 after Tony and company kidnapped Joaquin Wilde. And we had a hilarious phone call between D'Angelo and Santos Escobar agreeing to settle their score in the ring to see who will own the NXT territory moving forward. It is every episode of The Sopranos ever with a little Godfather mixed in for good measure. It's all camp. It's all in good fun and not so great kidnapping news. As I mentioned last week, there was a cliffhanger at the end of 2.0 with Bron Breaker celebrating in the ring after he retained his NXT championship against Joe Gacy. There were two druids in the ring ready to strike and the camera cut off. But thankfully, we got a digital exclusive from WWE.com showing the footage of Bron Breaker being attacked by said druids. And I will say that these druids have a very familiar finisher, Ticket to Mayhem. So dare I say, this could be the grizzled young veterans, but I digress. So they put a down and out breaker on this makeshift gurney covered in barbed wire. And Joe Gacy is directing traffic for them to go backstage and head outside to the most dangerous place in WWE, the PC parking lot. And they kidnap Braun Breaker. They throw him in an SUV, cover his head with a bag, and they take him to an undisclosed location with Joe Gacy talking as creepily as possible. And they leave Braun Breaker in the middle of nowhere. And that is where we left off. And that's how we started NXT last night via this very serious news update that has gone on for at least a week. And I am so over Joe Gacy and this dumbass storyline And Braun Breaker has been going through it the last few weeks. And I guess this is trial by fire. If you can survive this supernatural bullshit, then you can pretty much survive anything in WWE. But my goodness, this is just too much even for me. And Joe Gacy was in the ring later in the show with two druids who have apparently showed their loyalty to Joe Gacy to be a part of his crew officially as all the other druids have been released from their 10-day contracts. So I guess they now go back to The Undertaker to work on a more part-time schedule moving forward. And Joe Gacy wants Braun Breaker to join him, to embrace the joy of being inclusive and being a part of something bigger than himself. 
If he refuses, then he's in for a world of pain and hurt and devastation and blah, blah, blah. As the fans tell Gacy to shut the hell up because they're bored with this shit as am I. But so it continues and Joe Gacy will get an answer from Braun Breaker next week and we'll see how it goes. And the two druids were standing by Joe Gacy's side and I'm guessing once again is going to be James Drake and Zach Gibson as the two dudes who've sold their souls to Joe Gacy for reasons I do not understand but maybe we get those answers in the weeks to come. Another dude news, Sola Sequoia appeared before the live crowd and he is over with the PC people. They love him. They chant Uso, they chant Solo, and he wants another shot at the NXT North American Championship. Whether he's got to go through Cameron Grimes or Camelo Hayes, he's got next. And Cameron Grimes comes out there to say, you know what? I understand it, but let me get through Carmelo Hayes first. And I promise you, you've got next for this NXT North American Championship. And the fans chant, you got lucky at Grimes after Grimes beat Solo last week when Solo had Carmelo up for Samoan drop and Cam hit the cave in on Solo to get the win to retain the NXT North American Championship. And just think where Cameron Grimes was a year ago. He was over going after the Million Dollar Championship, having side feuds not only with Ted DiBiase, but LA Knight as well. And he was over. He was going to the moon. But my, how things have changed. As Solo is that guy the crowd is rocking with these days and with good reason. He has improved dramatically in the ring as of late. And he's starting to come into his own on the mic and I can see him being the next North America champion post in your house as Grimes alluded to the fact he would defend his championship against Carmelo at the next special event going down on USA very soon most likely in early June but we'll see about that and Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams attacked Cam and Grimes from behind as Solo walked away but Solo turns around when Carmelo introduces a steel chair and he makes a save by delivering a kick to the midsection as Carmelo was going to go flying with that axe kick to Cam and Grimes and Grimes was a little bit Shady towards Solo when Solo grabbed the North American Championship belt and Grimes took it back with the quickness and the fans kind of booted that. But I'm looking forward to Solo versus Grimes part two as they had a really good match for the NXT North American Championship a few weeks ago that was ruined by some outside interference courtesy of Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes. And hopefully history does not repeat itself when Grimes and Solo run it back in a few weeks' time on 2.0. And now it is time to take a deep dive into last night's impromptu Evolution 2 out of nowhere as we kick things off with Gigi Dolan and Jesse Jane, the reigning defending NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, going up against Roxanne Perez and Wendy Chu, and the titles were on the line as Wendy Chu delivered a top rope crossbody to all three members of Toxic Attraction in the ring. From there, Roxanne Perez worked over Gigi Dolan with several arm drags, and as she went for the O'Connor roll, Jesse Jane got the blind tag and she had a neck breaker on Roxanne Perez for a close near fall. From there, Roxanne was a baby face in peril for a bit until Wendy Chu got the hot tag and she worked over Jesse Jane with an overhead throw and that handspring elbow in the corner. Then she opens the ropes for Roxanne Perez to deliver a double tope to Jane and Dolan as we go picture in picture. We come back and Wendy Chu's the baby face in peril until Roxanne Perez gets a hot tag once again and works over Toxic Attraction. Wendy Chu gets back in there and she hits her patent Sleeping Girl Splash on Gigi Dolan before Roxanne Perez gets the hot tag once again to work over Gigi some more, including a nice Russian leg sweep for a close near fall. Hits a Huracarana as well. And then she goes for the cold red. But as she does so, we got Mandy Rose causing trouble in the ring, blatantly interfering as Wendy Chu tackles her down. But this downtime allows Jesse Jane to super kick poor Roxanne Perez. 
and Gigi Dolan rose her up for the win. So that was a very flat ending to a solid women's tag team championship match. And after the match is over, Wendy Chu is going to go after Gigi Dolan and Jesse Jane, but she gets attacked from behind by Mandy Rose, who wallops her in the back with the NXT Women's Championship belt. And she proclaims that Wendy Chu will never be prettier than her. What a shallow message. And she gave a similar message to Andy Hartwell later in the show, noting that she can't imagine something like that happening to her when it comes to the end of Indy's marriage to Dexter Loomis. As she reiterates, no, I'm talking about me. That would never happen to me because look at me and look at you. And I'm like, damn, Mandy, you are so vain. And crazily enough, it wasn't that way a couple of years ago during her feud against Sonya Deville, her former best friend. They had one of the better feuds of the year when Sonya came directly for Mandy's look, the old filter that would zoom everyone out except herself. And Mandy eventually humbled herself and she got over as a baby face she got the bob cut thanks to Sonya Deville and she cut a really good baby face promo a couple of weeks before SummerSlam and she was locked in and she was really coming into her own by not being so damn shallow and look where we are two years later back to being shallow back to being about the looks of it all and it's kind of frustrating because we saw the growth from Mandy Rose a couple of years on SmackDown when nobody was in the building during the early days of the empty arena era and for all of the shittiness that the pandemic provided one of the few good things that it gave us as wrestling fans was the fact that we got to see the stars come into their own as characters to be a bit more stripped and bare for us to really give us these true blue performances that we would not get in front of thousands of people that might what the segment down. They were able to really trust their instincts as performers in order to cut these really believable promos. And Mandy definitely did that a couple of years ago. And I miss that for her. Now she's back to being self-absorbed, no choice of her own. It's a WWE edict, especially on 2.0, as they're all about the looks most of the way. And to a point, I get it. But on the other hand, I miss Mandy Rose when she had depth and a storyline to back it up with Sonya Deville just two short years ago on Friday Night SmackDown. Next up is the opening round of the 2022 Women's Breakout Tournament featuring Fallon Henley versus Sloane Jacobs. And this match was serviceable. Fallon Henley has been pretty good in the couple of matches I've seen her in on 2.0 and Sloane Jacobs is 19 years old. She is the youngest person in this tournament and she was a little shaky in spots, delivered a decent drop kick for a near fall, but it was all about Fallon Henley laying in those strikes and shots against Jacobs and she finished her off with a shining wizard for the win and we had Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs out there celebrating with her as she moves on to the semifinals of the women's breakout tournament. The only concern I've got with this tournament is the greenness in round one. A lot of green matchups. Green can't lead green and it's got to be kept short. Here's hoping that as we get into the semifinals and ultimately the finals, things get better from an entering standpoint as Roxanne Perez is head and shoulders above everybody in this tournament. But it depends how she shakes out against Lash Legend and Nikita Lyons as we get deeper into the breakout tournament. Next up is the reintroduction of Kayla Ray, now known as Alba Fire, going up against the returning Amari Miller. And it was really good to see Amari Miller back in the ring last night after what she went through a couple of months ago on 2.0 after suffering a concussion during the conclusion of her match against Lash Legend. And I thought Amari looked pretty good last night. She landed a neck breaker on Alba Fire early on, and she was not afraid to go strike for strike with Alba, but Alba was able to fight back and hit the fire bomb, formerly known as the Kaylee Ray bomb. And she goes up top and hits a swanton on Amari Miller for the win. And I gotta say, I really like the presentation of Alba Fire. Now we know it's Kaylee Ray, but she can't go by that name anymore because it's legit her government name. 
And I do like the fact that they're embracing the fire element of her character and she's playing into it. The entrance is great. It's got a fiery element to it and she's still got the baseball bat. I like the switch up in the gear as well. So here's hoping that she's able to translate that to the main roster someday because Kaylee Ray aka Abba Fire, has what it takes to be a true star if given an opportunity. Next up is a really fun mixed tag team match featuring the unique team of Grayson Waller and Tiffany Stratton versus Saray and Andre Chase from Andre Chase University. So we've seen Saray go through the portal as she transforms from schoolgirl to superhero And Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward are wondering what happens if they go through the portal. Well, what happens is they change clothes as well as Bodie's basically wearing Saray's wig and glasses and having a very drag camp moment, which I appreciate. And Andre Chase is wearing a powder blue Chase University sweater, which I like, giving us North Carolina vibes. MJ style from the 80s. So I appreciate the fact that the portal works for everyone. I love the sight gag. It was a lot of fun. And this tag team match was fun as well. As Ray locked in the Indian death lock on Tiffany Stratton early on, and Tiffany fought out of that by grabbing the hair of Saray. And eventually we had Chase and Saray in the ring holding it down as they shoot away Tiffany Stratton and Grayson Waller. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Grayson Waller is back on offense. And he delivers an elbow drop to Andre Chase for a very close near fall, which is broken up by Saray, by the way. And at this point, Saray and Grayson Waller have a face-off. And as Saray is going to attempt that dropkick on Tiffany Stratton, Grayson Waller saves her. But Andre Chase grabs Grayson Waller and Saray hits that dropkick on Grayson Waller instead. As this is happening, Tiffany Stratton is going to go for her Vader bomb elbow drop for the win. But the horn sounds courtesy of Bodie Hayward as Saray gets her feet on the ropes. And she's able to roll up Tiffany Stratton for the win a short time later. So thankfully, Saray did not eat the loss once again because she lost when she did not have her powers. And she lost with her powers in the last month or so. So I'm glad she got one good day against Tiffany Stratton. And I do love the unique trio of Saray, Andre Chase, and Bodie Hayward. Bodie Hayward is a star. He needs to get better in the ring, but he's got the personality down. And that is a blessing in this business. And he's embracing the craziness of Andre Chase University, saying that he is taking Japanese between the hours of two and four at Chase University. And Chase said he had no idea that his own for-profit university had a foreign language department. I should not like Andre Chase. I should despise Chase University, but I cannot. It can't be fun. They're dedicated to it. I love the Chase U pep rally section every single week. It is a great attention to detail. It's campy, it's funny, and it's growing on me. I cannot deny it any longer. And I thought this is one of the highlights from last night's show as Saray got a much needed win against Tiffany Stratton, who's also rapidly improving on NXT. She got an assist from Grayson Waller early on with a nice flip into a moonsault on Saray for a near fall that wasn't meant to be as Saray got the win in her superhero form. Next up is another opening round match in the breakout tournament for the ladies featuring Nikita Lyons versus Ariana Grace and this match was a bit of a struggle as Ariana Grace tries some jujitsu on 
Nikita Lyons going after the left arm with some submission holds, was able to deliver a couple of knee drops to the left arm of Nikita Lyons as well. And she cranks her arm back a bit, goes for an arm bar that Nikita blocks. Eventually, Nikita fights back and she drops Ariana Grace with a German suplex, which never looks pretty. But she does land a nice spin kick on Ariana Grace and she does hit that jumping split on Grace for the win. And she moves on to the semifinals of the women's breakout tournament as she will face Fallon Henley in the semifinals. And we'll see how it goes from there. A nice win for Nikita Lyons. The match was a bit rough around the edges, but I will say I really like the potential of Ariana Grace. Needs more time, obviously. As I keep saying, green cannot lead green to good matches despite your best efforts. It takes time, and sometimes it's best not to have these matches on TV, but this is on-the-job training, and they do have a finite time to get better, according to WWE, even though I don't agree with that part of the developmental process. And now it is time for our main event featuring Natalia versus Cora Jade. And this was easily the best match from last night's show. And this was also Cora Jade's best match to date. And Natalia is a big reason for that. She is a certified ring general. She would keep shit together. And normally you would see practice, practice, practice on display here. This did not feel like practice. It felt like a well thought out match that had good psychology to it as Natalia went after the left knee of Corey Jade and Corey Jade sold her ass off when it counted most but she also had some offense with some nice knee strikes to Natalia as she had her wrapped around the ropes at one point delivers a nice little foot stump to the back of Natty as well before hitting slice Brett number two for a close to near fall but Natty goes after the knee of Cora Jade, slamming it into the ring post repeatedly. And she does lock in the figure four leg lock and Cora Jade is struggling to break the hold. And she is going for the ropes and Natalia keeps pulling her to the center of the ring and she is struggling and she is clawing to get to the ropes. She cannot and she does not tap out. She passes out. And Natalia gets to win. Now, I read online that some fans did not like this finish because Cora Jade was looking at the referee saying, how much time do we have left? Do I have to pass out right now? And then, of course, she passed out. Then she walked right back up and she hugged Natalia as Natty was very pleased with Cora Jade's performance that she earned her respect as NXT went off the air on a very peaceful note, unlike last week. And I was fine with the finish because we've seen people pass out from the sharpshooter before. Granted, in more dramatic and memorable fashion, such as WrestleMania 13, when it was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret the Hitman Hart and also was bleeding from his head. We got the blood pouring down in his mouth and teeth and he refused to tap out. Flipped the bird, went to sleep, and he became a goddamn legend that night. Well, the same thing happened for Cora Jade via this matchup. I honestly do not know, but I have always championed the potential of Cora Jade. She's got something. She reminds me a lot of Lita and AJ Lee, but Cora Jade is her own person, and she has what it takes to be a star someday. And Natalia will bring out the best in you, no matter what. And I keep going back to the moment. Natalia May Charlotte Flair into who she was going to be eight years ago when Natty fought for a chance to become the NXT Women's Champion. And her job was to get Charlotte to that next level, to reach that top tier status in the NXT Women's Division. And she did so. They delivered a classic that still stands to this day as one of the landmark matches 
in the women's revolution. Can lightning strike twice for Cora Jade? I do not know. Because she has to take what she has applied here last night and go forward and bring that same energy and passion to the rest of her matches when she will eventually be the most experienced person in the ring because Natty's not going to be there to guide her all the time. You can practice a match down to a science, but that's not wrestling. You have to be able to trust your instincts and to guide others when you're in that lead position. When you are the ring general, you got to be able to up your game for others. Can she do that for an Amari Miller? Can she do that for a Nikita Lyons? Can she do that against a Mandy Rose? I hope that she can because Corey Jade was due not one but two singles matches against Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship on New Year's Evil in January and NXT Stand and Deliver in April. And both times, those matches were changed to a triple threat and a fatal four-way. And I appreciate added experience to a matchup, but at some point, the training rules must come off and you must trust your star to perform at a high level. Here's hoping that Cora Jade working with Natalia facilitates her being a star that can be the one that can be trusted to carry others and to be the equal to others in the ring as well. Cause she does have the potential to be a star as always. The core issue is WWE rushing this process to say, you must be here in six months. You must be there in a year. If not, you're cut. And I hope they don't work so loose and fast with Cora Jade because she's got it. Give her time to find it and she will be your star moving forward, not only on NXT, but the main roster as well. And all in all, I thought this was a solid episode of NXT dominated by the ladies. You got to love it. And this was quality over quantity. I thought that most of the matches serve their purpose. You're going to deal with greenness during the early stages of the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. Things should get better as we get deeper into the brackets. But I like the fact that NXT did not try to hype this as it's ladies night. It's all about the ladies. And they just let the show flow as it should. It was organic and it felt like everything was meant to be. And that makes for a good show. Was it perfect? No. But I like the effort and the attention to detail to try to showcase the NXT women's division because that was NXT's calling card for a very long time. And it's gone through a lot of changes but you see the potential. I'm still mixed on some people being on TV to go through this trial by fire. It's a very tricky experiment. And we'll see how it goes as we inch closer to June. And my deadline of this show being in a better place than it was eight or nine months ago. And we went through a rough patch in the last month or so. The show has stabilized a bit. Can it maintain that stabilization to make me a woman of my word, to make the prophecy come true. We'll see, but it's still on shaky ground to say the least. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 69 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at WrestleTopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop in the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search WrestleTopia and follow me 
on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 63 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.